Hi everyone. If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter, and I'm here with a, a new friend of mine, uh, introduced to me uh, through a mutual friend named uh, Theodosius, uh, a, a guy who goes by the moniker Thumblestein, a modder and uh, organizer, uh, modder in Fallout, organizer in this real version of Fallout we're all living in. Uh, Thumb, thanks for coming on. Uh, well, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, yeah, it's, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you. I, I You know, I feel like... Um, you, your your reputation seems to precede you within the Fallout modding scene, and I, you know, it may just be my my uh, ignorance of that scene that keeps me from knowing exactly uh, what it is you do. Although I learned, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show cool. uh, in the yeah. first place. But uh, I, uh, I, can you explain to some of the listeners if they haven't uh, really delved into that world um, what it is you do, uh, what it is you sort of um, uh, produce, and and, and like. I don't know, just, just anything that you find interesting about your work. Well, basically, uh, what, what I do is that I try to express my creativity by getting into fistfights with buggy software. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll elaborate. Um, no, but, but I, uh, I mean, it's, uh, when, you, when you mod Fallout, you have this thing called a GEC, which I guess you could compare to the Source SDK. I, I think that one's a bit more mainstream. You kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. You, you can edit maps, you can process various kind of data templates for weapons, NPCs, that kind of thing. It's surprisingly innovative for, for newcomers. They can kind of make basic mods uh, just within a day. Uh, yeah, so, so I like that. It's, it's very user-friendly. But once you, once you get into the more advanced stuff and the workarounds for the hard-coded things, uh, that's, when, that's when it gets a bit tedious. Uh, but um, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's a lot of fun, and I've been doing that for I think almost a decade now, back and forth. So, what what game did you start modding with? Did you did you mod in any of the old Fallout's, or just in the uh, just in the the Bethesda three uh, D uh, world? I actually technically started out with Oblivion, so I, wow, I guess okay. yeah, you could. But then again, I, I did I did some modding before that, but that was that was like way back in the day where you kind of just fiddled around with files on your own. I remember probably as young as thirteen, before there was a modding scene, I would I would uh, 
tamper with stuff and have fun with that. I mean, there was a mod yeah, save, for of sure. course, but not not like the Nexus. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, right? Because like I I know in looking at uh, I played how long ago was this now? Um, for another project, I was playing the the original Doom, and the the way you play Doom now is by playing off of Doom wads, which is initially how you would have modded it, uh, and of course how people still mod it, um, and that took me back to a very easy way of thinking about modding and everything. Like I was just like, Oh, okay. This is, you just put this in the right place on your computer and then your computer can read it. And, uh, that's how you play it. You just get the right program and you just kind of move these things around and you can have a, a system by which you make things. Um, and it seems like modding now is, uh, far more complicated than that. Uh, I'd say it varies on your software. Like if you're, if you're talking about, for instance, um, Mountain Blade, where you basically need to know how to write Python, I believe it is, and like run it through the compiler and stuff. I mean, at that point, you're basically a programmer. Uh, but that's an extremely Mountain Blade on on brand way of uh, making their <laughs> making their modding difficult. Yeah, yeah, very much. But uh, at the same time, it does allow you to do more more stuff with the engine. So it has it has its advantages. Yeah. Uh, in in Fallout, hmm. we're not so fortunate. There is a lot of hard-coded stuff, and you're basically stuck with it, or you'll have to use workarounds. Uh, like the the script extender, I uh, I'm, I'm I'm no expert about this because I'm I, I didn't I, I don't program any kind of software like that. But as I understand it, it uses a kind of like a vulnerability uh, from uh, like the Nvidia uh, DLL, like the library there, to inject new functions really? into Fallout. Yeah. So, so even that was kind That's of, cool. yeah, no, it was very innovative. Uh, but, but even that was just like by accident, basically, it was a workaround. Um, but is there a lot of that? Is there a lot of sort of like, because uh, we're going to delve into into both uh, discussions about disability and discussions about leftism. But I definitely feel like discussions about leftism, um, if you're not talking about workarounds or, or making things work or whatever. Um, you're not talking about any sort of leftism that I know about, uh, because of course, like one of the one of the main features of of the left in uh, you know this are sort of like fascist, uh, uh, I don't know, hopefully not millennium, but a decade at least, um, is uh, is workarounds, ways of sort of like uh, reconfiguring systems yeah. in order to make them work for. I don't know, for leftism in general. Uh, do you find that workarounds are generally how you uh, uh, experience or appreciate mods, or is that sort of like a, uh, a catch-as-catch-can, or, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, it's like that, sometimes it's it not? It is for the fancier stuff, definitely. Uh, if you want to have mm-hmm. uh, some, some, some real fun with the engine and, and try to push its boundaries, then you, you're definitely going to have to do the old workaround and sort of jury-rig the game to get to do what you want it to do. Uh, one of my... Uh, one of my earliest things was that I was really bad at timers, because I, I do know how to script, even if I'm not a programmer, but uh, timers in particular it uses like this weird variable system where the engine kind of uses an internal clock to count down and subtract and add things. It, it's really bad. Oh, it's if a I'm nightmare. Honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so, so uh, what I did was that I would use uh, just uh, script effects on spells instead, because then it would use like the game's internal spell timer with a duration. Uh, that's a good example oh, okay. of how uh, how it just made that simpler, and uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, it makes I mean it makes sense in terms of just like thinking about. I mean, there's you know it's been. I wouldn't even say it's been co-opted. It is a capitalist slogan, but it's one that kind of makes sense here. And 
probably makes sense in a lot of uh, spaces, just not in in the uh, context that it's generally used is like work smarter, not harder. Like that idea of yeah. uh, of just like you know making something that works a little quicker, a little easier for you. Um, and of course, the the kind of like ideal version of this for for people who you know believe in a leftist ver- no, well, world that isn't just purely capitalist would be like so you have more leisure time or time to do things that you you know enjoy. If I may interject, or, or time to produce things. Please, no, I, cool. I ramble. No, no, it's fine. I just wanted to say we have a leftist version of that. Uh, it's an old wobbly saying: minimum wage, minimum effort. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Yeah. It's it's definitely there's definitely a uh, I don't know, there's a sense in which like there are lessons like the, you know, minimum wage, minimum effort or work smarter not harder. Like there are ways to think about that in a good world where it's like, oh, you know, like in this world that we're imagining right now, um it's not about uh uh maximizing profit, it's about maximizing time. Uh, so that you can have the time to spend on your own after you're done with your work. Uh, and in some ways, like, modding is kind of like that, where, like, the only thing you're really saving, if unless you're, like, a, a you know, somehow selling your mods, um, the only thing you're saving is is your own personal time, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in, in a way I would agree, but uh, in, in another way, I, I am a bit of the existential school of thought, so I would argue that Ooh. performing labor in its own doesn't necessarily have to be considered a waste or investment of time, because you can certainly perform mm. labor in a way that's fulfilling and, and interesting, even the most mundane tasks. Oh, I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's a good point. Uh, alienation from labor doesn't, uh, yeah. doesn't mean that all labor is bad, then. It just simply means that you're alienated from... I mean, yeah. alienation means that the stuff you're doing is bad. I, I spent three quite grueling days working as a, as a cleaner... For for a coke dealer, that's that's an anecdote, perhaps for another oh. time. But uh, <laughs> it, it it wasn't the Sounds best. exciting. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but it, it wasn't the best work in the world. Uh, the guy was a little bit pushy, believe it or not. Um, really, and, uh, a coke dealer was a little bit pushy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing is that um, I I could still imagine a, like very grueling manual labor. But I I can still imagine that if I if I did it perhaps with. You know, some people around, maybe some some music. We all kind of hang out, took our own pace. You could probably build some solidarity <laughs> there. You could probably make an event out of it. You know, for sure. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Like uh, you know, just uh, if it, yeah, no, exactly. You said it exactly right. And I mean, do you feel so? That's a that's a good segue into thinking about um, thinking about modding. Like, do you feel that there is a solidarity like in the modding scene? Is there a scene to be had, or is it is it kind of just like individual? There, there used to be. Then the alt right came. So tell me about that. Oh, it was glorious in the most horrible way possible. Uh, they're still on the Nexus. You can find them. You can check out some of my mods, like the Ultimate Islam mod or something, and just see the comments for yourself. Because uh, I, I made a mod. It added, like, a Quran and a prayer mat, because I thought, this place is kind of racist these days. I'm going to poke them in the eye and also make Muslims feel included. Uh, sort of two birds, one stone. Wow, step. that must have made the Fallout people so angry. Like, I mean, what what is, what is their complaint? Not Fallout people, but the Fallout racist. Um, what what is the what is the like racist? Uh, is is it just that like uh, the natural sort of like Nazi appeal to uh, to anti utopias to sort of like survival of the fittest stuff, or does Fallout kind of have something else that appeals? Oh, to, it has. Uh, wacky racists. It has a lot of things uh, because the thing is that uh, remember back in like Fallout 2 
when the story still made sense and people were aware of what they were doing. Uh, like back in those days, yes. the whole thing was kind of a satire. And right. now it's become a satire that forgot it was a satire. So you've got all this like unnuanced, meaningless nationalism just floating around in the game. And obviously sure. the old right are going to love that. So you've got Nazis of every stripe. You've got the old light people all the way down to the full-blown Hitler saluting, swastika tattooing, you know, stereotypes on the noose. You know, you go, you go all of them. Oh, and uh, awful. they sent me, like, death threats, and they yelled at me a bunch, and, oh, they, every slur in the book, it was, it was something, it was a, it was a journey. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, and also, I should point this out, like, the, the Quran mod is the most controversial one I made in terms of comments that I received, right? And, and, and threats. I would and imagine, yeah. Yeah, and this is, I also made another mod where I basically unironically praise the IRA. That was my second most controversial. So, that should tell you a little bit. <laughs> it gives me an idea, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and also, one of, the, <clears throat> one of the moderators have alt-right sympathies, which doesn't help things. I've been butting heads with that. Oh, yeah, it. I would imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, did you... Did Is this... So I know one of the one of the mods that um, I was introduced to you with was uh, like a, a gun mod for like uh, I guess oh, the Soviet era. Gun. Um, yeah, is that like is that something that you fell into a little more because of the the alt right you know uh, needling, or was that just something that you were interested in because you sort of like organized within leftist spaces to begin with? Oh no, the, uh, this uh, like uh, now, now I need to establish a timeline here because uh, the stuff I'm talking about that happened mostly like at the Charlottesville events, like around the inauguration. It was yeah, a while okay. ago. Uh, this one was uh, Theodosius who who just uh, asked me for a request uh, and said, "Hey, could you could you fix up the rifle so it says this machine kills fascists instead of this machine kills commies?" Uh, and I was like, sure. And then I just got a bit carried away with it. <laughs> that's a good ask by him, actually. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, no, that's amazing. Like, it, it seems like I can't imagine I can't imagine how frustrating it would be for me to, I don't know, be able to to spend that kind of time and artistry on a project like Fallout. And I mean, like modding something like that, like really getting your getting into it. It seems like it it involves a kind of like skill and artistry that. I mean, there's such a commitment there. I can't imagine that being um, how like how frustrating it must be to have that uh, hijacked by like just the worst people on the internet. Um, I mean, it, it's not it's not the greatest feeling when, for instance, I made uh, this. This was just to piss them off. I basically made a LARPing mod for for anti-fascism. So the basically every enemy <laughs> in the game, I convert them to a Nazi version, so you could build your settlements and declare war on them and kind of play war. It, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I did that, but at that point it's pure role play. I broke like every quest in the game, making all these factions hostile and stuff. Um, <laughs> but but um, that, it, it was pretty exciting. But of course, you get all these comments flowing in. You get all these like Nazis, and they they actually like the quality of my mods. That's the funny thing. I have Nazi fans in spite of like openly berating oh, that's them. Funny. Yeah, and uh, and I. I <laughs> <laughs> they they tell me too. They tell you I like I like your mods a lot. It's such a shame we're an SJW. And the best thing is that Nexus implemented a, a feature where you can block people from downloading all your files. So whenever I see, oh man, yeah, that's so sweet. It, it is. It's very satisfying to just take that away from them. 
And uh, so that's like that's become my new fun thing. Sometimes I, even though I've kind of quit the Nexus scene, I still go back just to check on comments to see if there's anyone who needs blocking. It's just entertaining to me. <laughs> well, they kind of come in and they say things like, "Oh, um," and this is like I'm paraphrasing like a literal comment they said, and it was just the weirdest thing. Uh, they said. Oh, I'm gonna play this mod, but I'm gonna join the Brotherhood of Steel, and I'm gonna kill, and, and these were literally their words, hookers, drug addicts, and degenerates. And I'm not really sure what kind of mods they're using. I've never seen, like, the... Actually, no, that's not true. They do, they do have a sex working mod, come to think of it, but um, I don't think you could use it that way. Uh, but it was just, it was the weirdest thing, because I know this guy will basically get random settlers to join his little weird LARPy concentration camp settlement, and he'll just pretend they're people he don't like, like, um, what's the guy's name, uh, the golden one did in, in H-Bomb's video, remember that? Uh, I don't know if you watch H-Bomb. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I do sometimes, yeah, no, 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 yeah. And he like, um, oh, this guy was a male feminist, you know, and he does, he does that <laughs> shit, and... Uh, yeah. It's so good. It's it's like it's it's amazing because like I think you know it would be like if you told someone like uh, if you told like someone on the alt right that you know leftists are are larping um, confrontations with the alt right they'd be like oh well it's because they're too cowardly to actually face us but then they they un they un like uh, ironically are just like yeah I'm I'm larping a thing where I I kill male feminists yeah <laughs> like man. I mean, extremely sad. And and it's not just not one comment. I have gotten several comments where they tell me I'm gonna use this to build a concentration camp. Like this is a trend among them, and it's just so sad. And I would like to apologize to like the Jewish community for the misuse of my mods. I feel <laughs> feel a bit like that guy at the Manhattan Project. You know, I tried to make like infinite electricity, and I you know Hiroshima happened. You know, I'm sorry. You're just looking at your mods and you say, like, I have become death. Yeah, a little bit. Like, <laughs> it's... become death. Creator of worlds. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very cynical, cynical place for me. Um, mm. but, but actually... Well, I, I can understand. Yeah, but I've gotten a lot of support, too. Like, let's not kid ourselves. A lot of people have uh, backed me up. Even, even people who weren't leftists or even that committed to anti-fascism, just out of common decency. Those people are totally out there as well. Mm. And... It's interesting. Yeah. Good. And also, the new Vegas uh, modding scene is very different from Fallout 4. They're... I would assume. I mean, New Vegas is, is extremely politically aware. Yeah, uh, and also, most of, the, most of the modders... Like, you have some people who are, like, just up their own asses, but it's like the regular sort of internet egocentricity that you have in every community. Um, sure. The, the reactionaries, as it were, uh, are not as prevalent there. For the most part, people are just, like, hobbyists, usually very happy to cooperate. Fallout 4 people are openly competitive. Like, they have trade secrets. They refuse to reveal how to do things in, in certain uh, ways because they feel like it might undermine their mods and stuff. Um, wow. Yeah, it's pathetic. Uh, but but that's, that's also... <laughs> That's also the fault of the Nexus, because they added, like, these really, like, um... They kind of boosted all the donation systems and stuff, so it's practically a marketplace now in many ways. And, uh... So explain to me, explain to me the Nexus. This is something that, like, I, I have a vague understanding of, oh, and I'm imagining, uh... Well... People might have better understanding of, and I'm just gonna miss some of it. So I'm gonna ask for them, or for myself, and then for the, the people who are just too, too afraid to ask. Basically, the Nexus is, is one of the ten reasons why we shouldn't allow Englishmen near technology. 
<laughs> and uh, I will elaborate on that. Uh, because, you see, the, um, the, the moderation team, first of all, very center-right people, um, right away. Oh, just, great. Because most of them are like, you know, British STEM lords. You've probably met American STEM lords. Imagine the worst kind. Of course. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, British STEM lords sound br- like, I mean, even more, uh, even yeah. more like just completely arrogant. Yeah. Like, if, if you've ever spoken to a British simpleton, you notice that they're very, like, really arrogant and think they know everything. Imagine that, but mm-hmm. with STEM lord on top of it. It's it's unbearable. Um, so I saw someone tweeting the other day that every time a uh, an American comes in to uh, to apply for a job, they uh, they reject them and then call security. And they were just like, "Haha, I got you, American." <laughs> they're just like, "Yeah, this is like this is why we don't trust a lot of the British people." Yeah, here. this is really mean. And I, why would you say that? Don't get fooled by the accent, by the way. I'm I'm, I'm Scandinavian. It's just the way I was educated. Um, mm. Yeah, but. Um, I, now I now I trust you way more. Cool. No, just, just <laughs> I mean, I'm a, a little, little bit of a Scotsman on my dad's side, so I'm I'm slightly okay. British, but but the good kind, you know. Well, yeah, you're you're British. You're British in the way that I I am Welsh, yeah. which is to say, like by by way of ancestry. Yeah, no, I, I thought you were around from maybe the Cardiff region, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, um, can you tell by my accent? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Philadelphia by way of Cardiff. Uh, I feel it. But yeah, no, it's it's. But okay, so the Nexus, the Nexus is is mo- basically like a community of of Fallout modders. Pretty much, yeah. And and by the way, go Flyers. Okay. Oh yeah, go Flyers! Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, we we yeah we we sort of like we we came we came into having the the Antifa mascot so. Uh, now all sorts of people support us more, cool. um, which is great because before they did not. <laughs> we weren't a we weren't a, uh, I mean, a an organization. Yeah, people liked. That, that's that, that's true, and also also Philadelphia because uh, like oh my gosh, the yeah. TV show mm. is really all that represents Philadelphia currently. Well, here too. Yeah, yeah. I mean don't 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 worry. That's not just abroad. Uh, we, we don't get a lot of uh, a lot of people don't write our. Uh, books and shows about us we get a couple here and there rocky always sunny and and that's about it to be fair um, i'm i'm one of the few people in sweden who live below the poverty line they say that's like impossible technically but that's sort of social democrat propaganda um sure of course so, so charlie day i find it to be very relatable in many ways because i'm kind of <laughs> dealing with a lot of his stuff uh <laughs> it's it's a uh, Charlie is Charlie is absolutely a relatable character, especially in that show where like there's I feel like, you know, I mean, it's it, every it's a hilarious show. I, I think the characters are wonderful in it. But the, uh, you know, like the the true dirtbags in the show, particularly Dennis, are just like, I mean, you'd never want to say that you relate to Dennis. Like, That's that would, true. Yeah, <laughs> that would be bad. No, I mean, uh, but like, yeah. Feel like you can relate to Charlie pretty easily. Like you can be like, yeah, no, that guy, that guy's sort of speaking my language. Like yeah. I understand what he's going through. That makes sense. I mean, aside from the stalking women part, that part I did not relate to. I am no, well, pleased yeah, I to mean, say, but yeah, it has to be said. <laughs> yeah, but just, just so clarify. so. Oh, good. Just to clarify, you do not stalk women. That's correct. You're on it, <laughs> but uh... <laughs> uh, so like so. So Nexus, so the Nexus is like a uh, a, a frustrating place for you. Yeah, um, um, I would say like 
it sounds like Fallout itself is, in some ways, a very frustrating place for you as well. No, I, I, I like Fallout, actually. Like, I, I got nothing against even, okay. like, the, 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 like, badder Fallouts, if you will, just because when you're a modder, if you don't like something, you get rid of it. You know? Uh, yeah, sure. So, so I, I, I really got nothing against the games themselves. It's just, you know, the fandom and the community that's been poisoned, sadly, by, by bad management behavior by the Nexus, by... Uh, uh, incentivizing a lot of behaviors that are pretty shitty and toxic because it makes them add money. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of, you know, uh, Facebook syndrome, I guess you could call it. You know, arguing gets more sure. traffic than people working together. Uh, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a shame, but it does make sense. Yeah, and also, you know, if you... Um, also, the hobbyists, you know, they're, they're pretty modest people. They're usually kind of working class, uh, some, sometimes a little bit well-off. They usually have like a... Not like a shitty STEM job, but more like a traditional one. Like if you're a civil engineer or something, like those guys usually make a lot of good <laughs> sure. mobs. No, but I mean like the 40-year-old guy with, you know, the workshop in his garage just playing Fallout. Like those kind of people. There's oh, yeah. something wholesome about it. Um, I have an uncle who's a, who's a civil engineer, and he's not a gamer, but if he was, I could see him making some pretty incredible mods. Like Yeah. That would totally be where he'd fit in. Yeah, and they were happy to teach people. They were happy to work together. Those people were great. But then came uh, the sort of younger, rich kid generation. And, of course, they're the people with the university education and the big expensive rigs. So they they mm-hmm. make mods sure. that, instead of generating, say, uh, 100,000 downloads, suddenly generate 10 million downloads. So that's just mm-hmm. better for, for Nexus if, if you want. Profits, but what it does to the community is that it becomes very competitive and hostile and unpleasant. Uh, you know, modding modding should be a hobby. That's when it's best off. And I would say the same about gameplay development in general, if I'm honest, because um, gameplay development, mm. like back in the '90s and '80s, it was very similar to the modding scene. Most games were independently made in people's like basements and stuff. And one reason for that is because they they weren't so proprietary about everything, so you kind of had access without a budget to just a modicum of, of, of various things. Uh, and of course, that that would be a way better way of doing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, and I, I, you know, I guess like one of the things I wanted to ask you, uh, it, it becomes tricky, of course, because like, you know, especially with talking about how games should like, you know, a better world for, for making games. Like, I totally agree with you, but also I understand that like, there's a bit of a genie in the bottle scenario when it comes to uh, video games, particularly because it's like, well, you know, people have also seen how deeply, deeply profitable they are. And you, you sort of said this with Nexus, like it, it's tough once you, once you, once you see that side of it, or once the management sees that side of it, um, it becomes difficult to convince them that actually what they really want is like a good community (laughs) when what they seem to really want is profit. Um, But how do you, how do you take those lessons and like, uh, use them to it, use them in organizing because obviously, like it, it's it, maybe it's not as much of a problem abroad, but it's certainly a problem in the U.S. That organizing tends to just like anything else uh, lend itself to kind of like the the superstar problem where like you know there are important members of say like the DSA or whatever or the PSL and uh, and then members who are sort of rank and file and that kind of like stratification of like the the important members and the non-important members tends to cause most of the drama and most of the strife that is so counterproductive absolutely and uh, and i think i have a couple of points on that i mean first of all you Great. need 
You need to get rid of the abstract thinking, basically. I mean, that's that's usually what fucks people up, this obsession with theory and ideology. And, you know, my shade of red mm. is better than your shade of red, all that nonsense. You throw that away. Um, most uh, most people who founded our group is uh, libertarian-leaning, but we, we welcome Marxist-Leninists with open arms. And the reason for that is because, sure, people like to cite history with Nestor Macno, but they rarely talk about the history with James Connolly, but that worked out perfectly fine. People are pretty selective about that <laughs> when they like to be uh, sectarian. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep. yeah, uh, so, so, I mean, that's, that's one thing we do. Uh, we also look at, like, sort of outside the Western scope and look at things like uh, Pan-African influences, how they do things, because they do them way more successfully than us. Uh, Black Panthers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's that quote by Fred Hampton who says that we don't really call ourselves a particular ist because... Um, I mean, on paper, they were Maoists, but not re- they were kind of vague about it. It was just to have some kind of frame of reference. But uh, they, say, they said that they kind of avoided that kind of thing in ideologues because uh, people treat them like uh, religious figures, almost. Like, uh, I mean, that's a good parallel. Uh, the way that Marxist-Leninists and uh, libertarians treat each other, it's kind of like Catholics and Protestants in the early stages. These days, they live <laughs> side by side, no problem. But, you know, it's growing pains. That's human development. But they'll never, I mean, that, that, that you know, we, we'll, we've seen, we've seen the Protestants and the Catholics live together, but we'll never see the Marxists and the Libertarians live together. Oh, we will, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's already started. <laughs> you think I, so? I, yeah, I, I mean, uh, in our organization, we got no issues with that because we, we don't make the dichotomy huh. vanguard versus libertarian, we make the dichotomy sectarian versus non-sectarian, it doesn't matter who you are, if you start picking fights with people and red-baiting and acting like a jackass, then you're out, it doesn't matter who you are. I think so, actually I'm having a I think I'm having a a uh, a continental uh, loss of translation. What do you mean by libertarian? Uh, you oh you're thinking you're thinking of uh, you're thinking of Rothbard, yeah, aren't you? I'm, yes, I am. Oh well, I'm 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 terribly sorry. No, libertarian socialists uh, like uh, oh, oh uh, Machnavists, uh, example. Uh, I guess Chomsky in a way, even though he okay, puts like, okay. a bunch of dialectics into it, uh, and. Uh, who, who else? I uh, see what you mean. Okay, yeah. yeah, that that was a that was a that was a moment where I was like, wow, there's like that no, is no, a broad, no. that's a big tent yeah, right there. I'm, God, I, I'm not I'm not a miracle worker for heaven's sakes. No, I. Uh, I was gonna say I, I, it's impressive. Yeah, no, I meant I meant like the communalists, the the people who who are sort of in the well, the libertarian left of the spectrum on you know the political compass, the green field. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. So, We've all seen the meme. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of what we're going for, sort of a united front mentality. Uh, because, hmm. I mean, even if, let's say, let's say even if we, like, overthrow capitalism, even if we have a revolution, we carry out, like, a, a slightly more humane red terror where we've got, like, a dunk tank or something just for fun, and uh, we, do, we do all of that <laughs> stuff... Even then, even though we have very opposite views of what society we want, the world is a big place. We can have two societies. We'll be fine. It's a good point. Yeah. That's actually a very good point. I've never really heard it said that way, to be honest with you. Yeah. But it's it's smart. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's it's not as if, like, we can't... Yeah, it's not as if we can't have two societies or two areas or two parts of the world or whatever. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a good point. There was a time in, like, Spain in the Middle Ages when Muslims, Jewish people, and Catholics lived side by side in peace for centuries until the Inquisition happened. I think, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> so on the day-to-day, then, do you find it hard to keep people's sectarianism 
at bay or do people just kind of like are people just kind of cool people are kind of cool because you 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 basically the the kind of social environment you create people respond to that right away and we've only mm -hmm. had i think basically one troublemaker in uh what's been at least i think almost one and a half years now um wow that's pretty yeah. good uh, and uh, and uh, you know it's 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 been going very well, and I'm I'm quite pleased with our work, and a lot of that has to do with that we try to also develop a mutual philosophy, because that's the problem with with DSA and all these parliamentarians. I mean, uh, they they have different philosophies, they have different frames of references, they see the world through a very different lens. You can't do that. You need to develop a mutual understanding below your politics. Hmm. Yeah. What do you mean by below your politics? That's interesting. Uh, well, I, I guess I kind of envision like a building. So it's like you've got the f foundation, which is like philosophy. Like a Marxist-Leninist mm -hmm. uh, and a libertarian socialist can have the exact same philosophy, even if they have uh, very different um, ideologies. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You're talking uh, about like kind of a almost almost like a base superstructure of uh, of organizing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if if or if uh, if ideology is the software, then I suppose uh, philosophy is the operating system. Okay. Yeah, I buy yeah. that. So I, I think that's very important. And uh, uh, as an, uh, another thing as well, stay stay the hell away from parliaments. Stay stay away from elections. That's where it all falls apart. <laughs> Don't do any canvassing or or any of that nonsense. If you want to vote to like keep the heating on for old people or something, God bless you, go for it. But don't, don't get involved in that. Oh, you know, it's, just, it's horrible. It's all corruption. You know, it's just a bunch of gangsters. They're not the good kind. They're just horrible, <laughs> horrible people. Uh, st stay away from it. It corrupts everyone's being. In fact, that's that's really that's really where where because I, I have studied the troubles a lot, and that's really where the uh, IRA fell apart because there used to be uh, trade unionists and uh, syndicalists. So they oh, have roots. Yeah, sure. Yeah. They have very different roots from what they became in the 70s, which were the provosts, who were kind of like social democratic nationalists. And I mean, mm -hmm. who, who, who wants to die for that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Admittedly... Well, I guess, I guess it turns out more people than you'd think, but yeah, right. Yeah. I'd say the British oppression had something to do with it, but yeah. I would, yes, probably. Yeah, um, a little bit. But no, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's not, it's not... It's not inspiring yeah. in a certain way, and like I think that's that's something that DSA is definitely reckoning with now. Um, I yeah, think I mean like, they like, and, and that's another thing. I live, I live under social democracy, and I know people say I'm mm -hmm. a democratic socialist. Like that's a step above. I've never seen that in practice. They usually use social democratic talking points, so I'd say they're similar enough to compare. And oh, I would absolutely say the same thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I think anyone who's saying that. that that it's not a, a sort of like Norway model is um, is being a little bit cute. Like it's one hundred percent. I think that's what most people are thinking. Yes. Yeah, and um, and my issue with them is is that uh, they they gladly they gladly improve things for the middle classes and the working classes, but they do it at the expense of the poor as well as the rich. Um, mm. You know, social democracy has a very historical relationship with eugenics programs aimed at. Uh, disabled people, Romani people, uh, I think uh, certain kinds of immigrants, I think Jewish people at one point too. Um, mm -hmm. I, I live in a social democratic country, I live in Sweden at the moment, uh, planning, planning on migrating soon, but uh, for now I've, I've lived there for five years. And, uh, and, and, and you know, they, they had, they had a eugenics program 
uh, that was founded by the Social Democratic Party, starting sometime yes. in the 1920s, I believe. Uh, it lasted all that. the way. Yeah, uh, it lasted all the way up until 2014. Wow. Yeah, uh, it was slowly Goodness. reformed away, but uh, trans people were still exposed to it in 2014. Wow. Yeah. Like, like a true, like a true eugenics policy, like a you know, uh, for, forcible sterilization uh, by Good by Lord. clinical procedure. Yes, uh, and and wow. uh, the f- the final policy that remained from that program, uh, which covered a massive amount of people, the final final one that remained was to make a sterilization requirement for for sex change surgery. But then they got rid of that in two thousand fourteen. But it lasted. Wow, that is that's horrific. Yeah, yeah, uh, ninety four years. And uh, it's speculated that it's still being carried out illegally, and um, I, 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 I do suspect that because uh, my uh, my doctor, when I when I was a kid, uh, well, when I was a fetus, technically tried to have me aborted against my mother's will. So, Oof. yeah, um, supposedly supposedly had some emotional issues, but uh, I mean, I, I don't know what to think of it. It's pretty messed up. Um, it is, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. messed up. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a good place to pivot to to thinking about disability because we we've talked about a lot about that like off air, uh, just you and I, and, and and I think like, I mean, you said a couple of really interesting things about it. And I kind of just want to let you talk, but the the one thing that I'd love to hear you talk about just initially is uh, just to tie together these things. Like you you sent me a mod of basically a uh, like a wheelchair oh, yes. zombie almost. So t- talk to me about yeah. that as a start, and then just like yeah, I mean, wherever it takes us is fine. But I'm just I really want to hear more about w- your thoughts about disability, about modding, about this in practice with like the eugenics you just described, because I, I think it's like it's all super rich. Yeah. Okay. Um, just just so I I properly articulate my numerous issues with that mod, uh, let me look at my notes real quick, because Please. that's. Um, I, I mean, you saw it. I mean, first of all, it's pretty pretty patronizing, as as you can see right away. Yeah, um, I would say yeah. so. <laughs> uh, and uh, and also, for, I mean, they have this idea, first of all, that that they have to be disabled because who else would beg? Um, mm-hmm. That's my first issue. My second issue is not all disabilities involve missing limbs. You know, uh, they could right, have already been disabled. Re- yeah. yeah, right. They could have had like. I don't know, bone marrow disease, what do I know? Uh, it could have been anything. Um, and there, uh, Yeah, there are a lot of disabilities that don't involve uh, the literal uh, loss of limbs. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a very, so like, 1850s version of disability. Exactly. They could have had chronic fatigue syndrome. I mean, those people are treated like utter trash. They're basically called lazy by anyone who's not a doctor. You know, uh, right. it could have been that. And, and that's... That's my problem, first of all, that, that they define uh, disability by, by visibility. You know, that's kind of catchy, little rhymes. You can write a song about it. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it would be a very depressing song, though, but... Uh, <laughs> it's not a, yeah, not, not, a, not really a banger, but it's, you know, I think, I think it's yeah. worth writing. Yeah, I imagine that's sort of a Janis Joplin ragtime piano type song, but... Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. so... Yeah, I mean that's just like so. Why do you why do you think that? I mean, why do you think that that's a? Why do you think that that's something that people want in games? Like, it just seems so strange to me that people would want, uh, that particular mod. Like, I don't, 
I guess I, I mean, just don't really understand it. I mean, basically, uh, you know, predominantly white liberals treat disabled people like they treat Africa. I mean, you know, it's it's just okay. patronizing, virtue signaling, where they pretend to care about us, but they wouldn't give us the time of day and constantly misrepresent us and also exploit us. So, because uh, because you notice you notice with that mod. It got the file of the month, and it was published in October 2017 on Fallout 3 mm -hmm. Nexus. Um, had uh, thousands of downloads, I forget how many, but basically it had a lot of traffic and very positive reception for a mod published so late uh, in, in the sort of lifetime of, of the modding yeah. community. Yeah, and, wow. and of course it wasn't like a big effort mod, it didn't really add anything meaningful to the gameplay. So all those people who downloaded it probably have some pretty messed up views about disabled people. That kind of shows how common it is. Yeah, I mean, it sort of reminds me of the the thing that people say about, um, you know, like grimdark fantasy or something, that uh, people who make it seem to think that, you know, in order to have a, a, a real world, you have to have uh, sexual assault in it. Um, yeah. it's sort of like the same, the same function where people are like, well, it's not, it's not real if we don't have, like, if we don't explain why these people, uh, need to beg, or it's not real if we don't have a, uh, if we don't have someone saying like, if we don't have someone who is like suffering, uh, in a way that I understand suffering to work. Um, and so it becomes just like, you know, uh, it becomes the, you know, who do we, who do we use to, to indicate this suffering? Um, yeah, I mean, use, yeah. in a way you're right. But I would say that fundamentally what I, uh, what I also take issue with is the kind of underlying premise uh, of sort of undeserving and deserving poor. You know, the mm. philosophy behind Victorian workhouses. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right, right there, you, you already see a problem. Uh, that, that these people are basically parasites until proven innocent. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah. this, is, this is something that I think, like... Uh, unfortunately lives like every single day in, in American uh, dialogue. Like I think the, the, the question of who deserves what I, I'm sure you've seen at some point or another, the, uh, the various like Fox news uh, images where people are like, yeah, you know, like uh, these people, uh, these people who, who are on food stamps or whatever um, have, you know, 96% of them have refrigerators. Like what, what's going on? What are we funding here? Um, and that's just like a, a, a really, you know, it's, it's of course like saying it that way is, is really the, the, the world of the extremely conservative, uh, to the point of just like fascist, uh, viewers, but it's not an uncommon thing in American society to be like, well, these people don't deserve this. Like they're, they're poor in a way that they could have, they could have fixed or they could have done something about, they should have pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. It's not like they don't have legs or something like that. I think that's well, something can, that. Uh... It seems totally natural to a lot of Americans. I can I can give you a very uh, good example there of when, when that kind please. of attitude actually kills a lot of people. Um, yes, please. Right now, there are about 108,000 uh, organ transplants done every year. And uh, okay. obviously, there isn't enough organs to go around. They are for a fact contested. That's why you have uh, donor committees and the like. And... Uh, uh, a lot of people with uh, psychological problems, depression, anxiety, and so on, have a higher uh, um, um, have a have a higher propensity to smoke. 
to regulate mm. their mood and behavior. So. Oh, I see where you're going with yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in fact, uh, people with autism, we talked about that earlier, have a four times as high likelihood to smoke as, as a you know, neurotypical, basically, uh, if I recall the statistic correctly. But it's something really up there. Um, so, uh, the, and, and what did I say? They say, well, smoking, that's a voluntary choice. You brought this on yourself. You don't get the organ. Right. Um, so right there you see a lot of innocent people who were born with a condition that made them kind of have to smoke because they're so neglected by the healthcare industry in, in dealing with anxiety and depression in a productive manner. Uh, and they're basically sentenced to death, potentially mm -hmm. 108,000 times a year. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. I mean, it's, and, you know, devastating. Yeah. I mean, that's how the liberals are usually smarter than the Nazis, is that they put the, the hospital and the concentration camp in the same building. That way, that way they never get caught. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm laughing, but obviously it's a, it's a rueful yeah. laugh. But they, it reminds me a lot of, of, like, again, sort of like theory being the, uh, the undergirding uh, to, to praxis or to, to lived experience. Like, it reminds me a lot of of like what um, people like Giorgio Gambin or or even Mikel Foucault say about biopolitics that like yeah you, you control the populace through like by 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 controlling their health um, and a lot of that has a lot of that comes from people who are you know quote unquote well meaning who like you know would say hmm. well we have to decrease smoking well you know you you decrease smoking and you villainize the people who are smoking without asking why they're smoking um, mm -hmm. a, cer a certain kind of like a lack of systemic thinking, I guess, is what I'd say, is, is sort of yeah. like what I'm getting from it. No, I mean, that, uh, that's basically what I'm getting at. And uh, I, I know a bit about biopolitics, but um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I do like postmodernism, but I'm more into uh, uh, Albert Camus than uh, Foucault. Okay. So, uh, hey, I hear you. Yeah. I'm always I'm cautious about Foucault, but I love his. Um, I'm I've, I'm an unabashed fan of his lectures. The the ones where he just like they, they published a bunch of books after uh, you know basically after the popularity of uh, Discipline and Punish, um, where yeah. he just gave a lecture every year, and it it's very good. Like it's it's largely on social issues. It just works a lot better in my mind, uh, particularly in uh, the contemporary world. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. we don't. We don't have to get in the weeds on Foucault, but yes, I I tend to agree. I'm more I'm I'm a cautious Foucaultian. Let me let me say that. No, I, I would, uh, you know, I would actually enough. say I'm a Foucaultian. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean I got nothing against uh, against him or anything. It's just uh, it's just personal preference, I suppose. Yeah. yeah well, I think yeah. I think that's fair, and I think uh, one of the things I, I I it's actually depressing to think that this became like a catchphrase for me. Not a catchphrase in that other people knew that I said it, but that I knew that I said it all the time. Was that the worst thing about Foucault is uh, Foucaultians, um, which I mean could could be said about a lot of people. Uh, worst thing about yeah. Marx is Marxists. You know, it's not not so hard to imagine. Um, so you know, talk to me a little bit about uh, your understanding. Uh, we, we've talked about disability in gaming a little bit, and I, I think we can talk more about it for sure. But um, you know, we talked about disability in gaming. We talked about organizing in gaming. Talk to me a little bit about like disability and organizing. Like, where do you? I mean, is there is this a um, is well, disability a blind spot in the left? Is disability something that needs to be focused on? Uh, you know, just within within uh, revolutionary spaces as well as uh, conservative spaces. I'm assuming the answer is yes, but I'm, I'm yeah. interested in how you would uh, frame that. 
Well, uh, the the founder the founder of my organisation has, has a chronic illness, and and I sort of got the got the mental part covered. So we're both uh, we were both kind of the from the viewpoint of disabled people already. Uh, I mean, one, one thing we started almost um, a, a little while later was uh, was a support group for disabled people, which has been helping out a lot. Um, I started learning more about uh, counselling and so on. That's why that's why I became a, a, a chaplain. Uh, it's because I found myself basically uh, talking a lot of people with disabilities out of committing suicide. Uh, mm. That's I, I've had some real close calls. It's 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 kind of frightening in a way. It feels like like you're doing surgery almost. You know, you, you got to say just the right thing. You got to be got to empathize with them, but you also got to disagree with them. Uh, it's yeah, uh, of course. yeah. So so that's that's been some of the more intense moments. I I, I should say, and. Uh, I mean, if you want a blind spot in the left, then I, I, I guess I would point to sociology, because when, when disabled people kill themselves, we call that a statistical norm. Uh, it's the optics we're concerned about when it happens to the important people. I, I find mm -hmm. that to be a little bit irksome. Yeah, no, that's, that seems true. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit more about that blind spot, because that, that's actually what I'm really interested in yeah. hearing. I, I think that's a really good way of saying it, and something that it's a way that I hadn't thought about it in terms of sociology. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about like norms and expectations and, and how that sort of informs uh, an understanding of, you know, I guess like revolutionary or emancipatory politics. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I would say that, that a lot of that comes from sort of um, uh, Western propaganda, basically, which is mm, far more... Mm -hmm pathological than the sort of eastern kind which is you know the pretty posters that you can ignore if you feel like it uh in in our case uh, who would ignore fact, them <laughs> true true but um i mean actually a good example would be how the yeltsin administration their propaganda was considered so primitive that they needed to bring in like an american a bunch of american academics and professors to show them how to properly indoctrinate people um <laughs> You can you can look it up. It did happen. I listened to it in a Parenti lecture, and uh, I mean we are we are we are known for it. I, <laughs> I think it's probably our biggest export. Uh, we were asking about. I was asking you to sort of uh, elaborate on this really interesting thing you pointed out about um, uh, basically like the nature of uh, um, sociology and 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 kind of like an academic an academic kind of fascism or a fascistic impulse. Um, within within that, so I tell me a little more about that. That's really really interesting. Cool. Um, I mean, usually when I bring this subject up, a lot of people chase me out of the room with a rolled up newspaper. So this is a nice change of pace. Never, <laughs> never. <laughs> but uh, I, I would say that that I mean, first of all, look at the state of of academia. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of people oh, well, there. Yeah. They are of a certain, the certain class, a certain social demographic. I mean, it's it's gotten better, but I mean, even even then, like back back in the day, like back before, people like uh, uh, Marx and so on. I mean, they wouldn't let him near a university these days. Uh, you know, he was kind of like the the eccentric town drunk. Right. He, he wouldn't be allowed. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you've uh, heard about like his pub crawling <laughs> stories and stuff. I mean, he was out well, there. I, I, uh, here and there, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big reader of Marx, but I'm, I'm, I'm behind on a lot of like the letters and diaries and stuff, which seem to have the juiciest stuff in them. Oh yeah, um, no, he would, uh, he would basically go from uh, from pub to pub in his town, just having a pint in each one, 
And uh, at one point he, he got so drunk that he actually sold his trousers into a pawn shop just to afford more beer, and Engels had to buy them back the next day. Uh, hey, why not? Yeah, yeah but... Uh, spend all day yeah. talking about, like, how much, uh, how many... Uh, you know, skeins of cloth that uh, add exactly. Up to no, he he knew the value of linen, and he he used his knowledge accordingly. He was a very wise <laughs> man. Uh, but uh, I mean, uh, those, those kind of people are not really allowed anymore, uh, and uh, and that that affects that affects uh, a lot of how how it works because it makes it makes people invisible, um, mm. and and also uh, something that I really hate is how we've decided to psychologize morality, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, when when a guy like Anders Breivik starts, you know, killing dozens of people, uh, you look through his social media, you look at his manifesto, and still you think, where's the reason for this? We better diagnose the guy. Right. That's a very fundamental flaw in how we reason. And uh, yeah, that yeah. seems right. Like it, it, you don't actually need to, you know get a handle on, like, who Anders Breivik is. Like, you can just kind of... I think yeah. I, it, there's, like... there there's It seems to be like we should be able to just, like, you know, routinely yeah, I mean, dismiss a guy and, like that. Yeah. And and also, like, this sort of... These uh, uh, fanatical right-wing ideas that have promoted uh, a lot of terrorism, aside from basically the insurrectionary stuff that happened in the 70s with a lot of the left, uh, mainly Ireland and Germany. Uh, mm. I mean, m m most of that stuff... It didn't come from any kind of psychological problems or disabilities or, or mental illnesses of any kind. Uh, it, it came from ideology. I mean, uh, how, how do you explain Nazi Germany? Was there suddenly a, a, a schizophrenia epidemic uh, that affected <laughs> 20 million Germans? Uh, I'm sure you can find some book written somewhere that, that suggests that there was. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, talk to any liberal on Twitter and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, look at all the disorders that they diagnosed Trump with. Uh, it's ridiculous. Oh, and, sure, uh, yeah, and that yeah. was, yeah. That, that, well, yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah, we're, we're, we're convinced that he's disabled now instead of just, like, you know, the he's a rich guy. of, he's a rich guy and he's a fascist. Like, it's not yeah. that hard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I, I guess that's one issue I have with academia and sort of self-professed uh, intellectuals is that... Mm. They, they do like to reduce morality to these scientific absolutes, which is, you know, completely ridiculous. And I could, uh, that example I used earlier, if you, if you, you know, abort, like, a, like if, you, if you abort a fetus as like a qualified doctor with a, with a woman's consent, perfectly fine, right to choose, bodily autonomy, no discussion there. But if you do the same, but except you're Joseph Mengele doing, you know, Joseph Mengele things, suddenly it's a whole other moral issue. Uh, right. You couldn't boil that down with a scientific absolute. Technically, it's the same action in both contexts, but clearly, context matters. Uh, you know, so I would uh, I would point that out. You you need to you need to see morality as something else. It it can't be explained through just reductionist materialism. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I I, yeah. I would tend to agree. Um, yeah. and I think that's like not a, not a very, not a very, um, trendy way to look at, a, look at morality that it, that it is not, uh, that it can't be sort of diagnosed. People love diagnosing morality. As, uh, as you pointed out. 
And uh, and I think that even as a as a big uh, uh, cultural overstory, because that's something I've been I've been reading a bit about Pan Africanism and sort of non Western leftist practices, especially uh, I, I've been following a lot of indigenous Twitter or native Twitter as it's sometimes called. Uh, and one big criticism I see from pretty much every corner of the non Western world is that we have sort of conflated spirituality with religion, uh, mm -hmm. where spirituality it can be perfectly materialistic. In fact, in many cases it is. Is this? Uh, I mean, say, is, is this sort of how you approach it as a chaplain? Like, do you do you sort of approach? Do you approach it in any sort of spiritual sense? Um, I, I I would I would I would say so, and it's hard to explain in the English language, just because uh, if oh, we spoke fine. like an African or, or indigenous language, I suspect they would have like words for these concepts that we kind of lack because of just centuries of monotheism. Um, but I uh, I would say uh, you know you know the Starry Sky by by Vincent van Gogh. I do. Yeah, uh, obviously what he's painting there is not a sky. You know, you look at the sky, it doesn't look anything like a painting. Um, what he's painting there is what he's experiencing when he looks at the sky. And when you think about that, you could show that to pretty much anyone in any culture who speaks any language, in any time frame, you could show it to a caveman. He would understand the meaning. And he wouldn't say, wow, look at this photograph of the sky. <laughs> you know, he would, it has a different meaning. I'd say that's kind of, that's where we start to understand spirituality a bit better and uh, mm. sort of the role it plays. It's, it's the kind of the, the sublime uh, understanding that we have kind of a really profound connection to, to the world. I mean, look, look at things like, like rocks. You know, kind of boring. You know, sort of sit around there and they don't really do anything. But, you know, maybe, maybe millions or billions of years from now when, when this place is just a whole big rock, you know, maybe maybe it shatters because of because of some meteorite or something. It flies out in the sky, gets exposed to nuclear activity or something along those lines, becomes hydrogen or something, and and then eventually it it turns into some kind of protein coded whatever you call. It. I'm not a biologist, uh, and then one day it's alive. You know, the the rock that we're looking at today could be alive one day. I mean, that's pretty cool. You don't. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a supernatural to like appreciate how. That's kind of amazing, uh, and and I think when we look at those things, uh, you develop this kind of weird, profound empathy—not just for life uh, in in the more abstract sense or in the more situational sense, but kind of mm. almost in a universal sense. That's when you begin to understand, I think, real moral motivations and and understand kind of how to distinguish the good from the bad. I think you kind of have to look at it through that scope a little bit more. Well, and I mean, there's just to bring it around full circle uh, before we before we close out, like it's it doesn't surprise me that uh, you'd have that sort of like and I, I admire it. I don't think it's a wrong view. Totalizing is the wrong word, but uh, th there's a bit of totality there, like and, yeah. and be interested in modding. Like it, it seems like modding is about creation uh, far more than it is about destruction. And if anything, like a sort of like and of course, this is a this is a fraught phrase now, but creative destruction in a kind of sense. Like, uh, if you're breaking things down, it's just to make them better or different. Or, and there's like there there is a sense of like, well, what if that rock could be alive? That's kind of alive yeah. and well. If not in AAA gaming, then in the uh, the things people do to it. No, oh, absolutely, I get that. But I mean, obviously, uh, there, there's some truth to that. But I'd say another reason why. Uh, why I kind of took this skeptical view of, of let's say, scientism, because I don't really think I don't really think it's science. What you know, Elon Musk gets up to when he asks the big questions, 
uh, we've all seen him getting stoned at that radio show. <laughs> you know, I, I especially that really made me cringe. He said something like, "You know, so there's like." 3,000 people in the world who are, like, really evil, but then statistically there's 3,000 people who are angels, and that's so moving to me, and I'm just Ugh. sitting there, oh, it's the that's worst awful. guy. Yeah, just some apartheid emerald bandit trying to explain to us all how, how good people work, just, oh. Yeah, Elon Musk is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but... But that's what I mean. Like that, that kind of, uh, kind of, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that, and I got disillusioned by that pretty quickly because, supposedly, in that, in that uh, other kind of totality, I'm the bad guy no matter what I do. I was just born that way. Right. So right. right. That, yeah. You that you you have to know your role of evil guy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that brought some disillusionment, and, and I thought about it a lot, and I just realized that, at uh, the end of the day, I, I think the only way to really develop a, a, a working conscience is, is through mutual understanding of people, mm. and try to be honest to yourself, that kind of stuff. There are no shortcuts, there's no instruction manual on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, reading helps, but you also need to talk to people, <laughs> and you need to examine them, and understand things in good faith. It's just, it's 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 a verb, really. It's something that you have to do your entire life. It's something to become. That's a that's actually a lovely way to finish it out. It's a verb. It's a way of becoming. I like that. Yeah, I I totally stole that from Daniel Kahn, but I appreciate it. Ah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll it's okay. I uh, yeah. I, I admire it despite you're stealing it. And perhaps <laughs> even perhaps even because you stole it. Um, oh, yeah. So, so tell me, where can we find some more of your stuff? Some more people thinking the way you are, some, some people who you work with, uh, anything that you're doing at this point? Um, I mean, right now I, I, I kind of do work on some projects, but I'm, I'm a little bit burnt out and I don't use the best computer, so some, I'm, I'm not sure I'll be able to finish it, at least not okay. right now. Uh, but, but I do release that stuff on Breadworks, uh, which we talked about during the break. Um, and uh, I should explain to the, the audience, uh, listeners. Yeah, uh, Breadworks is is where I do my stuff. Uh, we're a horizontally organized um, group uh, community. Um, we're mainly focused on media and gaming at the moment, but we do have, for instance, a mutual aid program. We've helped a couple of people get back on their feet when they've risked homelessness. We've we've done some pretty cool stuff, uh, and and it's Good. it's moving forward. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we are, we're a hangout, we're a social hangout for people who want to take the more casual approach. We're, a, we're, we're, we're an activist community in our own way for people who don't. Uh, a lot of the stuff we do is a bit unorthodox because it focuses a great deal on, on people who are often invisible. Um, trans people, homeless people, um, disabled people, uh, yeah. chronically ill people. Uh, we're kind of like, we're the majority in that area. So you might hmm. see see some new ways of doing things, and uh, anyone's no, welcome. That's great. Yeah, except except for jerks. Obviously, we don't allow jerks. Um, we <laughs> Jer- uh, but, jerks but, need not apply. Yeah, exactly. And we uh, <laughs> we we do have like kind of a common sense model. There are no real formal rules. Just uh, as long as you're acting good faith, we're okay with you. If you make a mistake, that's like an honest mistake. We have no issue with you. If you're antagonistic quite intentionally after several warnings were quite generous, then 
Maybe, 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 uh, you know, we'll show you the door. But uh, for the yeah. most part, we've had very little conflict, very little problems. Very cool. And, yeah. Where, and, where can uh, people find Breadworks? Uh, it's it's on Twitter at Breadworks underscore, because turns out there's a bakery with the same name, and I just ah, looked that sure. up before I rebranded it. Um, we also have a YouTube channel where we deliver okay. not the kind of content I want us to, but we have limited resources right now, so it's mostly me doing lectures on a variety of topics that I'm somewhat familiar with. Okay. Uh, it sounds yeah. like it would be something that people who listen to or enjoy this podcast would like then, because obviously, like... You know, as as a as a self-professed failed academic in that I have my PhD, but I'm not currently in the in like a cushy tenured job. Um, <laughs> we uh, we uh, you know that's what yeah. I do a lot too, just lecture about stuff. So I hear well, you. Well, and if it helps, my my favorite kind of academic is the failed ones. They're well, bit, thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, they've been more down to earth. <laughs> I respect that a little bit. Yeah, we. Well, it's hard not. It's hard to. It's hard to do it otherwise. It's it's tough to. Uh, Tough to be superior when you're like uh, when you're making about as much as a McDonald's clerk. Um, yeah. Start thinking like maybe the McDonald's clerk is not uh, not subhuman because I don't think I am. <laughs> and, uh, I get that, and, yeah, and yeah. a lot of people with PhD are for a fact McDonald's clerks these days. That's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's very very true. Um, well, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on, man. This is this has been uh, great. Uh, let's do it again soon. Wonderful. Yeah, uh, looking forward to it, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll give you all the relevant links and uh, beautiful. Yeah, all the best and uh, right. and to you, yeah to you, you listeners at home, all the best to you as well. Oh, that's great. Um, well, yeah, and uh, and uh, check out Breadworks. Um, I I certainly will be. I'll be checking out your Twitch stream and, and all that stuff. Wonderful. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. See ya. All right. Talk soon.